Jeremiah chapter 29 is where we're going to be. If you want to go ahead and turn there. And then if you want to also turn to Matthew 28 and kind of hold your place there, uh, which for the, most of you using your Bible on your phones, you're going to have trouble holding your place there. But just we'll be Jeremiah 29, uh, then we'll jump over to Matthew for a second. So we're doing uh, right now a series called City on a Hill, uh, which we are starting to look at what kind of church has God called us to be. And so we walked through some of the, the three different weeks, uh, walking through kind of our vision statement. And so uh, the, the first week, we t- Brad talked about service. What does it mean for us to be a church that is about serve, or, sorry, you talked about community the first week. Talked about community, how, how we can have a gospel-centered community. Okay, the next week we talked about worship and our gathering and how our practices shape our belief. Last week, Brad talked about service and talked about how we as a church can start to go into our community, use the passage of Scripture I'm going to start with today. And now today we're going to look at multiplication So what does it mean for us to be a church that's about multiplication? Jeremiah 29, verse 4. Let's look at this. Remember, God's writing to Israel. They've been taken taken captive. They're underneath an occupying nation. And here's what God says to them. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Here's what he tells them. Build houses. And live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. Okay, now he'll go on to talk about seek the welfare of the city. And last week Brad talked about how one of our desires, one of our main desires is to be a church that is for the city. Not against the city, not a church that's escaping from the city, not a church that's just joining in and being just like the city, but a church that is for the city. A word that he used was shalom, which which means peace. That is universal flourishing. So if we are a church that is for the city, that means the city around us should be flourishing more because Hill City is present in it. Now, as God is talking to this group of people, he's telling them, I have a plan for you. As a matter of fact, I don't just have a plan for you. I have a plan for the world. And ultimately, Israel becoming a nation and growing was so that Jesus could come to the world and, and come and save the world. That's the plan. But God's going to tell them that this plan of blessing the world and accomplishing the plan I have for you is like it depends on some things you need to do. So right now, you're in exile. While you're there, seek the welfare of the city. Give your sons and daughter into marriage. Build houses and plant gardens. Live in that city. And then look what he tells them. And multiply there. Do not decrease. So God is building a group of people, in this case the nation of Israel. He wants them to grow and grow and grow because he knows he has a plan for these people specifically to bring Jesus to come and save the world. Contingent on the fact that they multiply. So Israel's blessing as a nation came with the responsibility to multiply, to bless the whole world. Okay, now the story of Israel keeps going, and eventually God sends Jesus. Jesus comes and he dies for the sins of the world. And then when Jesus leaves to go, the ascension, to go back up to heaven, Jesus leaves us with the church. And so now us, and I'm not saying the church is a building, the church is people. Us, we are now a group of people, just like Israel is a group of people. We are called out 
just like Israel's called out. We are sent out to be to seek the welfare of the city, and we are called to multiply. The church is now God's chosen vessel to bless the world. Government is not God's chosen blessing to bless the world, vessel to bless the world. Nonprofits are great, but they're not God's chosen vessel to bless the world. The church is. And so as Hill City Church, we are starting to wrestle with what does it mean for us to be a group of people that are called out, that are sent to bless the city, but are also told to multiply. And today we're going to look at what does multiplication mean, and what does it mean specifically at Hill City? So God has raised up a group of people, they're called the church, and here's what Jesus says about the church. One of the first Word times he mentions this idea of a church. He, he, he's talking to Peter, and Peter has just confessed, like, Jesus, you're the Son of God. You're the Messiah. And here's what Jesus says to him. This is Matthew 16. He says, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Okay, he's going to build this church. And these disciples at this point are like, okay, church, what's, what's going on here? And here's what he says about the church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it right we've heard that before most of us heard that we've heard that phrase the gates I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it now many of and myself included many of us are in error with this passage would you put, would you put that passage back up there if possible see when when Jesus says that the gates of hell will not prevail against a church most of us think of that hell is not going to get to us because Jesus is protecting us. But notice the wording. Are gates offensive or defensive? They're defensive. Right? Here's what, here's the, the metaphor that Jesus is showing us is hell having gates. And it's not that the church won't let Satan and won't let hell come to it. Here's what he's saying. Hell has gates and the church is going to blow through the gates. Like the gates of hell cannot prevail. That doesn't mean gates don't charge. Gates are for protection. And what he's saying is evil and darkness and hell and, and the schemes of that, like they cannot contain God's church who's on mission, who's busting through. Gates are defensive. They are not offensive. Jesus is referring to God's people being offensive people and the forces of evil being defensive. Guys, my dream, Brad's dream, in Planting Hill City is that we could start a church that is literally crashing through the gates of hell. Pushing them back in homes, in communities and businesses in our city, and don't think of the gates of hell as just like hell, you know, he's talking about some literal place of hell. Part of that's true. But here's what I also think Jesus is talking about is hell, meaning these forces of evil. Okay? So in all, so in all of our families, there's evil that wants to destroy the family unit. And here's what a gospel-centered, uh, godly man says, I will push back the gates of hell in my home. Evil will not prevail here. Business leaders, what's it look like for you to walk in your business and say, in my business, I will push back the gates of hell. Evil will not reign here. I will push it back. 
Moms and dads, when you adopt an orphan, you know what you're doing? You're pushing back the gates of hell. You're busting through where evil would like to destroy. I've been studying about sexual abuse. When you walk alongside someone that's been sexually abused, you are busting through the gates of hell. Because evil wants nothing more than destroy that life. So Jesus, talking about his church, he says, we are not a group of people that are hiding behind some wall and looking out at this hell, this, this evil kind of charging and saying, oh, I hope our gates prevail. I hope we can stop them. No, he says the church is on the defense and we are crashing through the gates of hell. One of my tensions, our tensions is, um, as Christians, Christian community, so often we hide behind our gates and we're like snipers. We, we're, we're, we're hiding behind and we're just taking shots out at the enemy. We're taking random shots. I can try as opposed to being on defensive, trying to bust through the gates of hell, we want to create a church, Hill City Church, where we are breaking through the gates of hell. So God has called his church to be on the offensive, to be pushing back those gates. Look at Matthew chapter 28, if you turn there. We'll be coming back to that Jeremiah passage, so hold your place there. And so Jesus kind of gave the disciples this idea that he's going to raise up this church and what this church is going to do. And then right before Jesus kind of leads them to ascend, Back to heaven, he leaves them with this final command. And we call this the Great Commission. We see this as, as, as really our command from Jesus on what we're supposed to do as Christians, what we're supposed to do as a church. Here's what he says. Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So when Jesus is talking to his church and he's talking about this idea of multiplication, here's what he's going to tell them. Let's work through this. Jesus came and said to them, all authority has been given to me, so here's his command, go. Go. If you're taking notes, circle the word go because it is a direct command from Jesus. Go as an action. And so here's what we tell you, Hill City Church. We're called to go. We are sent people. To go is to be sent. God has sent us. We are sent people. The question is not, am I sent? Like, am I supposed to go? Am I supposed to do something? Am I supposed to be on? No, that's not the question. The question is where and to whom am I sent? That should be the question you're wrestling with. People come to me and say, hey, I think, I think God's calling me, calling me into ministry. I'm like, yeah, I could have told you that. Go. No, I mean, like working in church. Yeah, I could have told you. Okay, you mean you get your paycheck from the church. That's a whole different situation. Every one of you is called to ministry. Oh, I think God's calling me into missions. Yeah, you're right. I could have told you that. Go. So we are sent people. So being sent is not an action, it's an identity. Think about that, the difference. I'm not someone who's, well, should I go do something? No, I am a sent person. God tells me, go. So wherever I am, I am sent. I don't have to wait for God to send me somewhere. I don't have to wait, hey, God, I'll do something if you'll just tell me what to do. No, he already has. Go. Be a sent person. Person, here's what we tell you at the end of every single gathering we do be with people as sent people.
people. Keep that up there for me. We actually put it on the, on the uh, columns out there as you leave. Be with people as sent people. Here's what that means. Be with people. This, Jesus came and dwelt among and was with people. That's what he did. He dwelt among people. Jesus didn't come to earth and sit in a palace. He came and he rubbed shoulders with common people. He was with people. So much that he was actually accused of being a drunkard and a glutton because he was with people. So we tell you, be with people. Now, here's what we're not saying just go hang out and be the cool guy in the office. Here's what we're saying. Be with people because you are a sent person. So be with people as my identity being a sent person. Why do we tell you that? Because Jesus says, go. Okay, so our gathering is not the point. That's why it's okay if we miss a week here and there. Like this 90-minute window is not the point of Hill City Church. All this is is the preparation for us as believers to go be with sent people, be with people as sent people, to go. Okay, so Jesus tells us, go. Now, what are we supposed to do? We're go. If I have to know what I'm doing, okay, I'll go, but, but what do I do? Let's look at it. So he says, all authority has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Go make disciples. Now, here's what he didn't say. He did not say, go make converts. He said, make disciples. Like, what's the difference? A convert's just something that kind of agrees to a, a set of beliefs and says, okay, yeah, I'll do that. A disciple's a much richer meaning. It's a holistic meaning. It's someone who's following. It's someone who's being changed. It's someone who's on this same mission. So everything we do at Hill City Church, everything we do is filtered through the lens of are we making disciples? Are we raising up people to be like Jesus? And then are we raising them up enough where they can go out and raise someone else up? It's multiplication, making disciples. So quote, I read a lot of business books. There's a quote I came across a couple weeks ago. The worst kind of failure in business is success in the things that don't matter. The worst type of failure is success in the things that don't matter. Listen to me. Churches all around our nation are successful in things that don't matter. And Hill City, we could quickly do that. We could quickly be successful in having a 90-minute service once a week. We could quickly be successful in having groups meet in homes once a week. But if all these things we do don't transition down to making disciples, then it's all just a bunch of busy noise. And we're not accomplishing what God has called us to do. So everything we do at Hill City, and we'll look at our vision statement in a second, goes through that lens of, are we making disciples? Because as sent people, Jesus says, go, we're sent, now do what? Make disciples. Go, make disciples. So example of what that looks like. We don't see our children's ministry as glorified babysitting. We don't. Like the... Never do the, group, the kids' ministry people get around and say, okay, how can we entertain our kids today? How can we just keep them busy? How, how can we make them enjoy church? That's not their goal. Their goal is to make disciples of children. Here's our mission statement of our, of our children's ministry, partnering with parents to make disciples. Because parents, number one, you're the primary disciple maker of your children. 
And as a church, we say partnering with parents because our, we see our, goal, our job is to come alongside parents, partner with parents to make disciples. I was talking to Emily, which my wife Emily runs our kids' ministry. Um, I was talking to her this week, and she was talking about working on this resource for parents. And I was like, oh, Emily, you don't need to do that. It's too much work. Just they can do it. And she's like, she looks at me, she's like, oh, I thought we were supposed to partner with parents to make disciples. You're fired. That's what, no, I didn't say that. <laughs> I'd be bad in my home if I said that. But she, she called me on it. She reminded me, our job is not to do the ministry to our kids. Our job is to partner with our parents who are doing the ministry for their children, to come alongside you. So we could quickly have a successful children's ministry. And we could have put in bounce houses and all kinds of those McDonald's tubes that crawl around in that stink really bad. Parents, like you, you've had to get up in there sometimes. Like, those are just awful. Okay? We could build those, and we could have a great kids' ministry that keep our kids entertained. But if we're not making disciples, we're not partnering with parents to make disciples, it is all for nothing. We have some of our youth leaders here um, that, that lead our youth team. They're right over there. Very early on in our conversation with them, here's what I told them. I do not want a youth minister at our church, which, which is come once a week and let's do Taylor Swift songs with a spiky-haired youth minister that says bro all the time. That's not what I want. Because guess what? It's successful at drawing a crowd, but it doesn't work in making disciples. So here's our priority. Relationships. Small relationships with our youth where we're teaching them become like Jesus. I was reading, um, reading a book and listening to podcasts, and the research is coming back. Because uh, this idea of youth ministry, of these really big youth ministries that do all these cool things, it's kind of new in the, in the history of the church. I mean, you know, 20, 30 years, but if you talk about 2,000 years, it's a little bit new. You know what they're finding about youth ministries that just are the, the high octane, high energy, all like do activities all the time? Here's what they're learning. Most of the kids are graduating and walking away from faith. Most of them are. And so this group of people started researching, like, hey, let's try to learn. Let's look at youth ministries that are actually making disciples. Like their kids graduate their church, graduate the youth ministry, and then they stay with their faith. And they looked at these churches. You know what the number one thing that they found about these churches was? That each kid had a relationship with five adults who were gospel-centered adults. That was the sticking point that kept them from high school to college keeping their faith. Five adults. So I challenge Hayden and that team. Let's not build a youth ministry where we just entertain them. Let's build a youth ministry that has adults investing in the lives of our kids. So everything we do, we're measuring through the lens of making disciples. Because the worst kind of failure is to be successful and the things don't matter. Most churches, uh, here, here's, how they, here's how most churches kind of measure success. It's a lot of B's, buts. How many buts do we have in seats? What's our attendance? Right? As long as our attendance is growing, as long as it's high, we're successful. Budget. How big's our budget? You go with a group of pastors. Hey, how much is your budget? I'm like, you don't even want to know, man. It's probably <laughs> what you make in a year. Okay? Uh, buildings. How big's our building? Right? How nice? Let's build a bigger... Bigger building. Let's go spiritual. Baptisms. Right? How many people were baptized? A good measure. That's how we measure success in most churches. Here's a number that Brad and I are starting to wrestle with. How many of our 
Christians, you guys, are actually making disciples who are then being baptized. That's a number to measure. How many believers who are sent people, who are told go, who are sent people to make disciples, how many of them are actually doing that and it's following up with someone being baptized in our gathering? That's a number we measure that might tell us, are we doing what we're called to do? A quote that many of you know, what gets measured gets managed. So we're measuring some things with some, hopefully some different measurements that we might start to see the gates of hell being pushed back in our city. Hey, so God has called us out. He says, go, make disciples, be this gospel-centered church, these gospel-centered community where individuals know that they are sent people, they're supposed to go to make disciples. I want you to hear me, church, without the gospel permeating every part of our church and you being sent people, Hill City will not push back the gates of hell. We won't. Like, it is not on me to have a really cool message to see people come to Christ in our city. I do not feel that tension. I don't. It's not on Brad when he speaks to, man, you, know, you need to bring it, man, because we've got to get people set. I don't feel that tension. Go. Make disciples. So we have done a great job of becoming a gospel-centered culture here. I hope you're starting to realize, see that and see the implications of that. Now what we know as leaders, we've got to take this gospel-centered culture and we've got to say, now go. And we must equip you to do that. If we don't do that, we will call outsiders them. And we will call us us, and we will be against them, we will consider ourselves the moral elite, and we will quickly be on the defensive trying to keep them out. Instead of people being on the offense, gospel-centered, loving people, going out and pushing back the gates of hell. Okay, so Jesus says, go, he says, make disciples. I said, making disciples is different than making converts. And here's what he's, he's going to keep going. He's going to make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. Okay, so our goal at Hill City is not to get people to say a prayer, get baptized, and sit in church. That is not our goal. Our goal is to make them into a disciple. Disciple someone who knows and follows Christ. Disciple someone that's being changed by Christ. He's changing them into a new person. And a disciple is someone who is sent on mission by Christ. So this holistic idea of making disciples, that is our goal, not to make converts. And many of you, if you could just, like if you could just taste, if you could just taste the joy of walking along someone in their spiritual discovery, you would be hooked. Last night at City Sessions, it's the thing a lot of us go to, one of our uh, college students came up who for the first time, her and one of her friends, our first time are starting to walk with a couple of people, a couple of their teammates, through the gospel. Okay, and she came up to me last night, I was like, how's it going? She's like, it's awesome. 
But it's so cool to be on the different end of things, not just to be receiving, but to be giving. And she's like, I don't know if I'm doing it right. I was like, yeah, just do it. Who cares? Just do it. I don't know if I'm doing it right. But they're finding this joy in it because it's, it's awesome. Go. Be with people as sent people. Go. Make disciples. Baptizing them. Teaching them. And so our prayer for Hill City Church is not, Lord, help us grow big. That is not our prayer at all. Hey, our prayer is, God, help us make disciples who can bring good to the city and push back the gates of hell. Here's our mission statement, if you'll throw it on the screen, please. It guides everything we do. We exist to glorify God by making disciples who bring gospel restoration to our city and our world. That is what drives us. So when we talk about multiplication, okay, that means accomplishing this and then multiplying this over and over and over again. God told Israel, live there and multiply, grow. Here's why this is important. Because what's good for multiplication and kingdom growth may not be good for Hill City. Let me say that again. What's good for multiplication and kingdom growth may not be What's good for Hill City? That's why our prayer is, Lord, help us. It's not, Lord, help us grow big. Give me an example. One of the best things for the kingdom may be for 20 of you to leave in a year and plant another church on the south side. Now, that's not good for Hill City. Right? Our dollars will go down. Our butts will go down. It's not good for Hill City. But it's good for the kingdom and it's good for making disciples. That's why that's our vision statement. So what's good for the kingdom may always, may not always be good for Hill City Church. So what does multiplication for us look like? Okay, so we, we know we've been called to make disciples. We know we've been called to go. We know we've been called to multiply. Okay, that's, all, that's great, Hood, but how do we do it? How do we do that? Three ways that we plan on multiplying at Hill City Church. First way. Individual disciple-making. That is, believers, you guys, coming along someone who doesn't know Jesus and sharing and teaching with them to make a disciple. And then training them to go do the same thing, multiplication. Okay, so here's the reality. In, in healthy organisms reproduce. You have a healthy apple tree. Guess what? It grows apples. Inside those apples are seeds. They're meant to grow new apple trees. Healthy things reproduce. Healthy disciples reproduce other disciples. So our success of Hillside Church will not go beyond the commitment of our individual members and regular attenders to make disciples in their lives. It won't. Our growth strategy is not have a really cool gathering on Sundays. It'll get a lot of people there. That's not it. Our growth strategy is equip you and send you out to make disciples. So our success in pushing back the gates of hell is on us, making disciples. Now, here's what I know. If, if, you're, if you're a believer that's been in church for a long time, um, most of you know this. For most of you, this isn't like, oh, I never knew I was supposed to go make disciples. Most of you know this, but here's what I know from, from talking to, to many of you. This area is the biggest area in, of shame in your life, maybe outside, of, maybe outside of sexual sin. Sexual sin paralyzes Christians. 
But number two behind that, I believe, is shame around the idea of I'm not making disciples. Like if I ask you to raise your hands right now, if, if, part, if you feel guilty or shameful the fact that you are not making disciples, most of you would raise your hand about that. So here's the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus came to cover your sin and to count you righteous. And guess what? That even includes your failure to share the gospel. So the gospel covers your failure to share the gospel. Now here's where shame creeps in. We'll talk about it a lot next week. Shame creeps in and says, creeps in and says, well, I am. And then finish the sentence. I am a failure as a Christian because I'm not making disciples. I am too shy. I am not knowledgeable. Like shame creeps in and says, I am. And if we're going to be, and this is why, the, this is why we start with the first six months, like being gospel-centered is number one priority. Because the gospel speaks to this. If you are Christians who are living in shame because you're not sharing the gospel, guess what you will never do? Share the gospel. Because a shameful person says, I am a failure, therefore I will never try to do this. So Christians, let me remind you of the gospel. And here's what we say, faith and repentance is the response to the gospel. Faith. Okay? I'm going to choose to believe as a believer that I have been sent by God and the authority is God. It's not me. And I'm not going to listen. By faith, I'm not going to listen to defeaters in my life that will tell me, you better not share this. Like, defeaters, what are you talking about? I don't know enough. Number one, defeater. Most of you, the number one thing that keeps you from sharing the gospel, I don't know enough. Do you know the name Jesus? You know enough. Here's another defeater. I, I hear it all the time. People will think I'm weird. Maybe. Maybe you are weird. They might. I'll look like a hypocrite. I don't have all my stuff together, so how am I supposed to share the gospel if I don't have all my stuff together? Well, here's the deal. If that's the case, no one in the history has ever been able to share the gospel except for Jesus. What if I offend them? You might. Gospel's offensive. So faith says, I am choosing not to listen to defeaters in my life. I'm choosing to listen to what Jesus says. All authority has been given to me. At the end of that, and I'm with you. So let's apply the gospel to our failure to share the gospel. Faith. I'm going to believe that Jesus sent me. That's my identity. I don't have to listen to these defeaters. I will preach that to myself. Repentance. I will turn away from false saviors, acceptance, approval that keep me from sharing the gospel. So repentance says, the reason I don't share the gospel is because I really want people to approve me. And if I share this, if I try to walk beside them, I may offend them and then they will not approve me. Repent of that. It's idolatry. It's making your approval of man up above what God's called you to do and will steal your joy. So Christians, may we not live in shame about our failure to share the gospel, therefore becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy that we don't share the gospel. May we start to exercise faith and repentance and start to live a different story for our lives. See, there's two stories you can live. One is shame. Oh, I just, I just can't do this. I just don't know enough. I don't know. If I, if I was like... If I was up here, like, 
preaching that I wouldn't know enough. I'd do it. I've worked too much. May we quit living in that story. May we start to live in the story of I've been called by God to go. I've been called to make a disciple. He told me he'd be with me. He told me the authority's his. He's told me that it'll be for my joy. May you start to live in that story and then expect a different result to happen. Okay, so I told you earlier, I don't have the tension of saving everyone in Springfield by preaching. I don't. Where I do have tension and where Brad and I feel this tension is we see our job because the Bible tells us to equip you. So here's the unfair thing is that I would ask you to do something that I have not equipped you to do. That's on me if I do that. So we're working on that. Matter of fact, April, right now we're working on the, on the first weekend in April. We'll let you know in the next few weeks. April, we're going to take a whole weekend and do a disciple-making conference where we equip you on how to share the gospel and how to make disciples. It's coming in April. We're going to equip you to do it. No excuses. Okay, so the number one, when you're talking about multiplication at Hill City, three ways. Number one way is our people making disciples. Let me expand your, your idea of what this means. Because many of you, when you think making disciples, all you hear is like going up to someone, hey, knock on the door. Hey, if you die tonight, would you go to hell or heaven? That's what you're thinking. Let me maybe expand your vision for this. So in our city, Brad talked about last week, we have refugees pouring into our city. Many are from the Congo. We have a few people in this room who are talented enough, have the experience and financial backing enough to single-handedly start an organization and meet the needs of every single refugee in our city. You're sitting here. So at Hill City Church, if we're going to push back the gates of hell, I don't think that I or Brad or Hill City has to start an organization to meet the needs of refugees. All we have to do is equip you and say, go. And one of you in here could do it. There's a group in our, in our congregation that started an organization called City Sessions. Many of you have been to it. It's a once-a-month music gathering. Okay? They did it last night. And all kinds of people come around the city. You know what they do with the money? They give it to orphans in the Congo. They help feed, clothe, shelter orphans. There's average people. Cody that played uh, mandolin right here in banjo. Like he's one of the guys that leads that. Just an average dude. Making a huge impact because he's a sent person. Some of you businessmen. You have financial literary, what, literacy. What if you started a little nonprofit in this city that walked along low, so, 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 yeah, I can't talk, low socioeconomic families and taught them how to be smart with their money? What if that's you pushing back the gates of hell because you're equipped to do it? I don't have to do it. Brad doesn't have to do it. We don't have to say from the stage, hey, we're going to start an organization. No, do it because you're a sent person. We have a group of, of, in our community, a small group, that went and worked this past weekend at a place called Dogwood Canyon Ranch. You know what this ranch is? It's a ranch that cares for high school-age girls in the foster care system, girls that will probably never be adopted. And they go there, and they house them, and they, they do all kinds of things for them. You know where that started? This huge ranch is doing this. You know where it started? An idea of one guy at a church here in Springfield that said, you know what, I want to meet the needs of this group of people, and he did it. I imagine he didn't go to his pastor and say, hey, pastor, I think this is a need. Will you guys do something about it? No, he did it. Why? Because he's a sent 
person. A couple in our congregation started a outreach in their community called Meet Virginia. They meet once a week. They just invite all their neighbors. They get together and they roast hot dogs or, or cook hamburgers around a bonfire. They do it every single week in their community, in their neighborhood. And it's bringing their neighborhood together. It's not a Bible study. They're just loving people and building relationships. Another one of our couples, Boomer and Caitlin, saw them doing that in their city, in their neighborhood and said, hey, we can do that. Average people in their neighborhood started another thing where they just get their neighbor together and they meet people. I think I remember this. The very, the very first time they did this, they had a lesbian couple come and just hung out and got to know them. It's not spectacular people. Normal people saying, I am a sent person. Let me look around and see where God has placed me and let me be that there. Businessmen, what if you walked into your company tomorrow morning and looked around and said, I will push back the gates of hell in my organization? Maybe it starts small. Maybe you're the boss and you just do something. So at Hill City, hear me, I don't have the tension of providing for you every ministry opportunity. I have the tension of equipping you for you to go and be a sent person. We'll get through the next ones quicker. So we have multiplication at Hill City. Number one, individual discipleship. Number two, group multiplication. That's the second way we see ourselves multiplying. So right now we have city groups. Brad, how many city groups do we have right now? Do you know? Eleven city groups right now. Okay, one of our goals for multiplying the city is to multiply city groups. Now, here's how it's going to work because this gets really messy really quick because some of you are like, oh, no, don't you dare split up my group, right? Because we get in this group and we get people and we're like, oh, we love each other, and, which is okay. So here's what we learned about multiplying groups. It does not work to split them in half and say, okay, go, because people get really mad at you really quick. So here's what group multiplication will look like. We're going to challenge, so let's say you have a group of eight or ten people. We're going to say, would any of you, would one couple be willing to step out of that group and start a new one? So the rest of the group gets to stay the same, stay together. One couple, would you step out and would you start something new in order to multiply? My small group's here right now. Surprise, Emily and I are getting ready to do that. We'll talk about it tonight. So group multiplication, because here's what we know, just like churches, new groups reach new people. We, like the facts are there. So if we're going to see multiplication, we must have people in our community groups and our city groups that are willing to step out and say, yeah, we could sit here with our friends for two years and it'd be okay and that'd be good. That'd be a good thing. Or we could step out and take a risk and try to get people in groups that have never been in one or that aren't in a group before. So individual disciple making is multiplication in our church. Group multiplication, multiplying city groups. And I'll tell you some number, some goals that we have around that at the end here. And then here's the third way that we see multiplication happening in our church is church planting. Church planting, starting new churches. Here's what we know. New churches best reach new people. They best reach new residents. 
and new people groups, period. Like the, the research, like you can't argue it. New churches best reach new people. The best thing for this city would not be a bunch of big mega churches, but many, many smaller churches because new churches reach new people. Here's what Tim Keller says. The vigorous, continual planting of new congregations is the single most crucial strategy, the single most strategy for the numerical growth of the body of Christ in any city and the continual corporate renewal and revival of existing churches. So the vigorous, continual planting of new congregations is the best strategy for numerical growth of the body of Christ. People come getting saved. New, new churches reach new people. But look at the second one. And the continual corporate renewal and revival of existing churches. What? How does new churches revive old churches? Because here's what happens. The new churches start, and they start reaching a bunch of new people, and the old churches go, oh, maybe we should do that. That's how it works. He goes on to say, and it's not on the screen, he says, nothing else, not crusades, not outreach programs, not, not parachurch ministries or nonprofit ministries, not growing megachurches, nothing will have consistent impact than aggressive church planting. Hill City Church, we are a church plant that will be planting churches very soon. One of you sitting out here may be the next pastor that we send out to plant a church. One small group sitting out here, one city group, may be a city group that we say, hey, instead of just being a city group, what if you become a new church? So the mission of God is to make disciples, but then to take those disciples and plant them to become churches. If I could break down Acts, here's how I'd say Acts, the book of Acts in the Bible. Go, preach the gospel, make disciples, plant a church, repeat. That's the book of Acts. That was their strategy. Go to a city, preach the gospel, make disciples, organize the disciples into a church, and then Paul would leave and go to another city, preach the gospel, make disciples, get them into a church, leave, go. That's Acts. And that's what we want to do. So if you give at our church, I want you to know this. Right now, we already support a church plant. We haven't started a church yet because I, I see that as sending one of our people to start one. But we financially support a, a church. So every month, Hill City gives $500 to um, a guy named Giacomo and his wife, Miriam. They're going to be on the screen. They're church planters in Italy. Great, great people. Some of you may not meet them. So we, they are planting a church in Perugia, Italy. Hey, which is a town about the size of Springfield, and there's no gospel community in that city. Think about that. How many churches do you drive by on the way to get here this morning? <clears throat> None in a city this size. <clears throat> so we send $500. We send $500 a month to support their work. Brad, you may be finishing this thing. Why? Because we believe in church planting, and we believe planting new churches is the best way to make disciples and to grow disciples in a city, so we financially support them. But quickly, what we'll be working towards is how do we raise up people within our congregation and send them out, maybe to Springfield, maybe to Kansas City, maybe to Detroit, Chicago, Africa, 
because we're sent people. So multiplication at Hill City. Jesus says, go make disciples. He tells Israel, multiply yourselves. What's it look like for us? Equipping you to make disciples. Individual multiplication. That's the first one. Number two, group multiplication. Aggressively, consistently starting new groups. And third, church planting. That is our vision for multiplication. Okay, now what I said earlier. Here's the deal. What gets measured gets managed. So it's great for us to say, hey, we have these goals. Okay, good. Yeah, that's great. So Brad and I sat down, and we, we made some goals um, for 2017 I want to share with you. If you remember me, and I'll share these more in December with you. So here's our goals for 2017. First goal, because if we're going to multiply, this has to happen. Implement a leadership development process, which is completely on Brad and I to do. So we must implement, in 2017, a process to develop leaders. Because we can't just hope and pray, God, we want to send out church planners, send them to us. No, God would say, no. Take young people and make them leaders. Raise them up and make them leaders to go. So we will be implementing a leadership development process or strategy for our church. Second goal for Hill City in 2017, become financially independent. Okay, let me speak to you, Hill City. One of the number one things right now that will keep us from multiplying is finances. Look around. We are a young church. We are a very young church. Right now, we get a portion of our income from Second Baptist, who's our sending church. They're the one that has sent us out to, to, to do this. Uh, in about a year, actually right about a year from now, funding from them will stop. Look around. We must become financially independent. So one of our goals for 2017 is that we can support the work and ministry of Hill City Church. Plus, one of our goals, we know that just if you look at dynamics of the church our size, we are about one pastor short to be able to care for the people. So not only do we need to become financially independent, we have to even get stronger so we can bring on another pastor to care and lead and shepherd this church. So I'm talking to covenant members. I'm talking to regular attenders. If you're a guest, you can tune this part out. We need you. God has called you to be faithful, consistent in your giving. I will not apologize for calling you to do that. Because Jesus calls to do that. God calls to do that. In the Old Testament, the command is 10% of your income going to things of God. In the New Testament, it's generosity and sacrificial giving. Covenant members, regular attenders, are you generously and sacrificially giving to the work of Hill City Church. Because if we're going to do what God has called us to do, we must become financially independent. We have one year to do it. Here's some other goals we have. In 2017, we want to reach 75 new people who are currently disconnected from our church. Now, here's what I didn't say. I didn't say grow by 75 people. Because, again, we could grow by 75 people and plant ourselves in the back and say, oh, good job, guys, we're successful. But the problem is they could all be church people coming from different places. So we want to grow, and we're going to measure this, by 75 people who are not currently connected to a church in 2017. Now, here's what I will say. One of the things that Brad and I pray about and we talk about, we are a young congregation, and we have been praying that God would send older, mature believers to our church to disciple and equip our young people. 
We've been praying about that. So some of that growth from other churches is okay because we've been praying that God would send mature believers here. But we have a goal in 2017 to reach 75 new people who are currently disconnected. In 2017, next goal, we're going to try to launch 15 new groups. That's basically double where we are now. So I'm going to ask some of you to start praying about, are we the couple that needs to step out of our group and start a new one? In 2017, we have a goal to serve at four Springfield events. So take four big events that Springfield does, and how does Hill City Church come alongside those, and not just like three people go serve, like a, a large group of us going to impact that event. That's a goal that we'll measure and see if we accomplish. Here's another goal that we have for 2017. Begin consistent ministry in five apartments or lofts within one mile radius of here. So a consistent ministry. Maybe that's a Bible study. Maybe that's a city group. Here's what we're going to ask and, and challenge and ask some of you to pray about. Do we sell our house? Do we end our lease and move to an apartment or loft within a mile radius of Springfield and say, as you pull up, I will push back the gates of hell in this apartment complex? We're going to pray that and, and challenge some of you to do that. Maybe it's a family with three young kids. It doesn't have to be singles to do this. It'd be young Marians. Maybe it's some of our 60-year-olds that go get a condo in her loft and say, I will push back the gates of hell in this place. I will walk alongside young couples who struggle in their marriage. I will come alongside a single mom and help her raise her kids and help her feed them. So what gets measured gets managed, gets accomplished. These are the things we're measuring for 2017, and they are our goals to start to work towards multiplication. So let's make it practical. We'll close up here. So many of you are saying, okay, this all sounds great, but what do I do with this? What do I do? Well, some of you can help us accomplish some of these goals by moving to an apartment. But here's three little things, maybe action steps I'd ask you to wrestle with. Number one, come to the disciple-making conference in April. You'll be hearing about it very soon. It'll be in Springfield. It won't cost you anything. Come to that and be equipped. Here's the next thing I want you to do. I'm going to challenge you to do. Start a small Bible study where you work or college students where you go to school. You've, most of you have been through those little green books we did in, in city groups. Take that. Go to a couple of coworkers and say, hey, I'm going to start a group. I'd love for some of you guys to do it. And just start. And see what happens. I stood in front of our football guys Friday night at chapel and I said, hey, I'm here. I'm on campus. I'd love to walk with some of you guys through this. Come to me. My goal is to start two of them with a group of our guys. Because one thing I know, our society needs strong young men. And especially strong young African American men. So my goal is to push back the gates of hell and to walk with some guys there. Start a small Bible study where you work. Go through that book. Third action step. Have a cup of coffee and sit with someone and just listen. Just listen. Don't go with the agenda. Don't go in to share something. Just listen and build a relationship. Go out to happy hour with your coworkers after work and just listen. Just be with people and hear them, and hear their struggles, and be with them as a sent person. So Hill City Church, there are people that do the ministry, 
and there are people that receive the ministry. If Hill City is going to be effective in what we want to do, we must become people that do, not just people that receive. Now let's go back to Jeremiah and we'll wrap this up. So we do all of this, all the things we do, multiplications, because of the gospel, because we have been blessed through the gospel, now we're told to be a blessing. So in the Great Commission, Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, go. Then at the end, he says, and behold, I'm with you to the end of the age. It's like this bookends of, I have authority, I'm in control, go. And at the end, and by the way, I'll be with you, those are the bookends. What's interesting in Isaiah, or I mean, sorry, in Jeremiah, the same passage has bookends. So at the beginning, he tells Israel, hey, while you're exiles, do this. And at the end, he's going to remind them of something. I want you to hear this reminder and maybe encourage you this morning. Jeremiah 29, verse 10. For thus says the Lord, he's talking to Israel, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you. And I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I have sent you into exile. So this command of Israel is bookend with this promise of a covenant God saying, I will come back for you and I will prosper you and I will have a, you will have a hope and a future. Guys, it's the same call. Go make disciples. Why? Because Jesus is coming back and you have a hope and a future. You have an inheritance. So be a person with an inheritance and share it with someone else. So today as we take communion, may you receive the elements as an act of grace. Take the body and the blood of Jesus as an act of grace. And then this week, may you extend that grace, extend that body and that blood of Jesus to someone who needs it. May you push back the gates of hell in your city. Let's pray together. Lord, you've called us to multiply as individuals, and as a community. God, may we be about what you have called us to be. Help us not to get distracted and just get busy doing things. Father, I pray for believers in here. I pray against the shame that they're all feeling right now that they haven't shared the gospel. And I pray they would preach the gospel to themselves and in doing so would be set free to go share it. So as we take communion, may we preach that gospel to ourselves, and may that motivate us to go out. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.